Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Real Film Nerds. This week, we have a fun one for you, a typical movie that I personally would never see, but Mike loves it. I saw the first one. I did not see it in the theaters. I saw it long after it came out. It's an animated flick. It is not Isle of Dogs, which is our only other animated flick. It was Incredibles 2. So, Mike, give us the rundown of Incredibles 2. All right, Incredibles 2. Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, is left to care for Jack-Jack while Helen, a last girl, is out saving the world. Uh, This is directed by Brad Bird and stars Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Val, Huck Miller, Katherine Kenner, and Eli Fuscelli, and then... um, uh, Sam L. Jackson is also in this. Dude, you forgot a very big one, a very important one. Bob Odenkirk? Yes, sir. Winston uh, De- Dever? Yeah, yeah, he, he's uh, from Breaking Bad and also from, uh, oh man, uh, Better Call Saul. Yes, he's been in a lot of things, but those are his two most prominent roles, for sure. And I I loved Bob Odenkirk in this movie. I thought he killed it. Yeah, yeah. It was, his character was really good. At first, I thought he was uh, kind of the bad guy, but not gonna. Oh yeah, that's definitely how it comes across. I mean, it was you know that's one of the issues I had with Incredibles too is that it's very very predictable. But it is a kids movie, so it kind of has to be. So. Can't argue against that. Now, what do you think about the timing of when this movie came out? It came out Father's Day weekend, and the main protagonist, Mr. Incredible, played by the always amazing Craig T. Nelson, he uh, is, you know, it's role reversal. He's now the head of the household while um, Incre- uh, Elastigirl, I almost said Incredigirl, <laughs> Elastigirl is out uh, doing the adventures and saving the world and things like that. Do you think coincidence that it came out on Father's Day weekend, Mike? I don't think so. I mean, Matt, what do you think took him so long to make a sequel? This is 14 years in the making. Like, what? what what's going on? Uh, from some of the articles and things I read, basically the director slash writer, who is the same person, that is, which you didn't mention. Brad, Brad Bird. Bird. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I didn't do the writer. Yeah, he does both. He did not want to do a sequel to the original Incredibles. He refused. He just kept refusing and refusing. And I think it just took a while for Disney to finally wear him down and say, we don't care. We want to capitalize on this intellectual property of ours that we own that is fun, amazing, and the superhero genre is just exploding right now and has been exploding. I mean, think about it. The first Incredibles was came out in theaters 14 years ago. That's 2004. That is before the Marvel Cinematic Universe even came into existence. Yep, that's true. That's fairly interesting. And now, thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, films like this, which clearly has already hit a note, 
because it's made uh, 180 million so far in its opening weekend. Ooh, man. The highest of yeah, the highest of any animated film in the history of films. It's clearly you know, something that people really want to see. So if we don't see an Incredibles 3 in the next probably three or four years, I would be highly surprised with or without Brad Bird. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine they'll make another one, but I, I don't know if Brad Bird will do it again. I think he also did um, Finding Nemo, which I, yes, I love. Yes, I believe so. Well, of course you do, Mike. What if Incredibles took place under the ocean? Would you be... Would you say Incredibles is better? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get into it, Mike. What uh, what did you like about Incredibles two? Um, I thought it was just a fun movie. Uh, there's not too much going on here. the th- The thing that I I didn't like really is usually in Pixar movies they're a little bit craftier in some of their jokes and humor. And I didn't really see too much stuff here. I mean, there's a lot of, like, um, baby humor stuff, which leads into the plot a lot. But other than that, I don't know. It just didn't seem as smart, because a lot of the Pixar movies have smart, funny jokes. And Right. They have those hidden adult jokes in the background that kids wouldn't get but adults do that's one thing that i was really looking forward to because i know the history of pixar and films like this and especially the first incredibles where there is quite a bit of that that keeps the adults entertained throughout the movie and they're just it was there but it was not like prior pixar films yeah i didn't think it was as prominent or as crafty like i don't know those were really just smart jokes usually designed just so the adults get them and you know the kids just glance over it and that's fine well i thought it was a great story um it was fun it was interesting it wasn't as smart as the original but it still was good i like that they didn't have to sit down and explain everyone's powers because everyone knows their powers now. Um, I thought the animation was very, very good. I like that it's set in like this society of like 50s slash 60s, but yet it's still set also ahead of our current society as far as technology is concerned. So it reminds me kind of a lot of like the Fallout universe. Ah. Without the nuclear bombs and, you know, death and destruction. Because it's that, you know, 60s style architecture and televisions and cars and and, uh, advertising and clothes. And it's just all 50s, 60s kind of style. But yet the technology clearly is at the level we're at now, if not higher. Like, for instance, the... uh, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but Elastigirl's Cycle, like, that was awesome. That was one of my favorite parts of the film, especially when she sits down on it and she starts trying to use it. And she's like, oh, it's electric. Wow. It'd take me a minute to get used to it. And she's like running to the walls and stuff because yeah. that's a common problem with electric vehicles. Those of you who haven't experienced a full electric vehicle is there's no hesitation. There are full on. You hit go, they go. 
Oh, yeah. They're torquey as hell. And so it was very true to life on that kind of stuff. I thought that was fun. And then the ways that she used it in that whole first mission. I mean, Marvel is probably kicking themselves in the ass right now because Elastigirl obviously is much like Mr. Fantastic from the Marvel Universe. They have the same kind of abilities. But the way that she used her elasticity ability was far and above anything, in my opinion, Mr. Fantastic has done, especially in a film. I thought it was very ingenious. It was, I really enjoyed that. Nice. Uh, Matt, what did you think of the, uh, the bad guy character being called a screen slaver? And yeah, I thought that was kind of, funny. Yeah, kind of uh, hinting at that we're all uh, slaves to our screens. And, oh yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, and it was just trying to point that out. Yeah, there was there was some pokes at certain things in our in the society, but uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest ones for sure. Is trying to and. I see that a lot in pop culture now. There's this big genre of you need to watch this, you need to watch this, you need to be on Twitter, you need to be on Facebook, you need to be on Instagram, you need to be doing all this stuff all the time, constantly on your phone or on a TV or in front of a computer or on a tablet. And then there's this small subgroup that's starting to come up that's saying, why are we dedicating all our time to something that technically doesn't exist in the real world? You know, and that's where I think, you know, they're getting a lot of their ideas from is from that little subgenre. And it's starting to pop up in pop culture, much like Incredibles 2. I don't think anything has really been out at quite the level Incredibles 2, but there's been things in TV shows and made for TV movies and smaller films and things. Yeah, you're right, man. Um, I, you know, I go to a lot of concerts and uh, one of the concerts that I went to, they, they encouraged everybody to put their cameras down and enjoy the moment. Well, and musicians have been screaming about that since the day someone put a camera on a cell phone because it really ruins the uh, concert going experience. And I agree. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm as guilty as the next person I've recorded, especially when musicians do something out of the ordinary at a concert. I will definitely pull out my phone and take a couple pictures or maybe shoot a small video or whatever. Right. But what do you feel about that, Mike? Because not to, uh, I guess we can talk about it now, but before cell phone cameras were even a thing, before even cell phones were a thing, you and I were sneaking uh, cameras into concerts, taking pictures. Yeah, I mean, yeah. going all the way back, you know? Yeah. I guess I only took a couple pictures because that's all you had back when you had film. Uh, right now, and you weren't you weren't holding the the camera up in front of your head, blocking other people's views for the entire fucking concert. No, no, I take a quick shot here and there. You had to really choose your shot, and then uh, you had to also try not to get in trouble with security. So there was a lot of uh, quick quickness, and uh, now it's just different. Like I, I am guilty as well, Matt of. Uh, taking some pictures here and there. It's so easy with your phone. But for the most part, I try to not. Uh, I do try and just enjoy the moment. I mean, there's a reason I'm going to see the live music. So I should just be there enjoying it. So Right. I agree with that. And Maynard, 
James Keenan, the lead singer of Tool, and also Corey Taylor, the lead singer of Slipknot, are two of the biggest, most outspoken opponents to people having cell phones and camera phones and things up during their concerts. They, you know, try and say, hey, just enjoy it. You know, you didn't pay all this money to have a recording. And there's actually, being a photographer, you know, that I, I know quite a bit about this stuff, um, reading articles and things. And they're actually doing studies that are showing that when people do things like this, where they pull out their cell phones and they start recording, even just be it a vacation. You're just on vacation and you're recording like 90% of the time you go to SeaWorld or whatever, that... When you get home, you hardly ever sit down and look at all the stuff you did, let alone edit it down and revisit it. Right. And then on top of it, people are finding that their memories are not quite at the level they used to be of said moment because they're sitting there looking into their phone the entire time instead of enjoying their surroundings and being immersed in whatever it is they're doing, be it a movie or a concert or going to a show like a a theme park or whatever, because all they're concentrating on is getting good pictures and good video on their phone, which I understand uh, being a photojournalist. That's what I've done. I've gone to lots of things and I have to go and experience and convey it for other people. But a lot of times, I mean, I could talk about this forever. I probably shouldn't, but a lot of times when I go to events, my job is to embrace the event absorb the whole thing, figure out what's the most important thing and how to tell the story of that said event in three or four pictures. Yeah. I'm not sitting there doing a video for hours long. I need to try this to tell an entire story in a handful of pictures. And that's if I'm lucky. Sometimes it's only one picture. And so I actually, most of the time when I go to stuff, when I'm working, I try and absorb it and figure out what's cool, what's best, what's sticking out, what's most important, what everyone else is experiencing, what I'm experiencing and tell that story. So it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just going to mention real quick. Uh, there was a comedy show here, I think. And um, I think it might've been Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not exactly sure who it was, but it, it was somebody big. And they had a policy where you weren't allowed to bring your phone in. They just wanted you to go to the show. Yeah. Well, they're doing that for a lot of concerts, too. And I think it was either Corey Taylor or Maynard with a perfect circle or someone that they literally are sending out emails and having it on the tickets that no cell phones are allowed inside the venue. Like, period. Like, whatsoever. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's really cool. Which is a good thing, you know? I mean, I've seen a lot of the bands, I'm much like yourself, when we go and see concerts, it's bands we've seen multiple times over. And it's like, you know, just go and enjoy it and be in the moment. I don't know. That's society, man, and the screens and anyways. Yeah. Yep. So that's all screen slaver uh, sidetrack. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but still, that's a, it's, it's a very poignant, predominant thing. And I don't know if people are going to get as much out of it as what you and I do. I wish they would because it's, it's a true legitimate issue. And what's really going to be interesting is as these kids get older, especially, you know, my nephews, I'm starting to see it in them. They have a real hard time interacting with real people 
because they've been behind screens all day. They're used to texting and Facebook and you know, snap dicking and all that shit. They don't talk to people. Yeah. And that might have serious ramifications when these kids start becoming business leaders and uh, politicians and leaders of our country. We'll see. Yeah, it's I'm- it's uh, definitely something that's concerning because uh, even like here uh, where I live, uh, driving, um, I feel like no one's really driving. Every once in a while, they look up from their phone. Just to hit the brakes and make sure they don't slam into you too hard? Yeah. Nice. Um, it's really right, out, of, so. out of control. Um, and like I feel like a lot of people are like, well, that's why we need automated cars. I'm like, no, you just need to drive. Yeah, just put your phone down. Yeah. Or have, uh, like, you know, uh, we used to talk a lot this way back before the podcast was when you were coming home from work or whatever and you know i had mondays off we would talk when you're driving but you were driving and using your bluetooth nothing's wrong with that i do that all the time that's when i do a lot of my talking but guess what my eyes are on the road i'm not sitting there texting i'm not snap dicking yeah especially when i'm driving i mean that's really difficult you want to talk about a challenge right right definitely a challenge there so I mean, you got to get your pants down, and it's just, don't do it. Just don't do it. Nope. So, anyways, all right. Well, Incredibles 2, there was a lot of good and fun things and some good societal things that were pointed out. Uh, One that I thought was interesting, and I've been argued against this already with a few of my coworkers that have seen the film. Oh, man, already. But... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, believe it or not, a bunch of my coworkers went and saw this with their kids on Thursday, and I saw it on Thursday as well. Wow. By myself, which was, you know, always fun that they like to point out, well, you must be the one sitting in the back corner. I was like, yeah, when I walk in and I sit down to see a kid's movie by myself, the parent with the kids sitting next to me usually gets up and moves away. Oh, yeah. I guess so. I was like, well, yeah. you know. Did you go I, see it late at like, night? I saw the uh, 10 o'clock. 9.50, 9.30, something like that on Thursday. And actually, the majority of people that were in the theater, actually all the people in the theater, were high school kids or uh, young young adults, like maybe uh, freshman, sophomore, and college-age kids. Oh. So these are all the kids that saw the original Incredible when they were kids, like when they were four and five and six years old. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um yeah, usually if you go see a kids movie late at night, uh, there's no kids there. It's it's adults, right? Typically not. Yeah, and that was part of part of the intention. And originally, my plan when I went to the theater that night, I was going to go see our other movie that we're reviewing uh, for later in the week. But I pulled up Incredibles two, looked at how many seats were taken. I was like, oh, there's hardly anybody in here. I'm going to go see this, and so it was a good experience. Uh, overhearing some of the rumblings when the kids were coming out, some of the kids were disappointed in the story. They were comparing it to the original, much like I have in things. But um, one of the things that I was argued against is I felt that the gender role, role swapping between the mother and the father with having Mr. Incredible stay home with the kids and the mom, uh, Elastigirl, go out and be the superhero... All, I felt that that whole thing was just them trying to be politically correct. Oh, really? I I could be wrong, but I it, to me it felt like it was Disney trying to be PC. Hmm. 
I mean, I guess there's some of that. And my you know, my you, boss you, I could see was that. one of the ones. Think- yeah, my boss is one of the ones that saw it on Thursday. Who himself is a father of multiple children, and likes to was pointing out that that's exactly how he feels when his wife is gone and he's the one home having to tend to everyone. And I'm like, yeah, but you're still working. She's also working, but you're still working. You know, he's full on at home, not doing his job whatsoever. He's taking care of the family. It's, it's totally different in my opinion. It's more of them trying to say, you know, it's okay for the dad to be home and be the parent and, you know, reverse the gender roles and all that stuff, which is fine. But to me, it just felt like Disney trying to appease the politically correct people. That Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, you know, I guess I could see that. I wasn't sure that I got that out of it. I just thought they were just trying to make fun of something because, you know, when he first was uh, doing it, he was uh, super exhausted and, and it was it was very hard on him. And uh, I think it was just trying to emphasize that raising children is a tough job. I really think that's it. But maybe there was a little bit more of the PC uh, Disney way. Um, They definitely want to be PC forever. Yeah, that's just, I don't know, my, my thoughts. Now, what do you think, Matt, about um, the uh, John Lasseter, the um, kind of the, the, one of the original creative uh, guys at Pixar, um, basically kind of getting fired for the like hashtag me too stuff. Like he's in some kind of advisory role or something until the end of this year. Interesting. I didn't know that. Huh? Yeah. He was uh, one of the original guys who the famous story about, the napkin, three guys sat down and uh, that created Pixar and wrote on a napkin what movies that they would make or whatever when they when they yeah, got a chance. Yeah. And it was like Finding Nemo, Incredibles, uh, Wall-E, um, Toy Story, like some all, all their like I guess their first five movies essentially. I think. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, Monsters Inc. Um, yeah, but apparently he got. He went on a, a six-month sabbatical, and then when he came back, he announced that he was going to be leaving Pixar, and it, it sounded like Disney strong-armed him out because of some kind of inappropriate, like, touching or something, some kind of weird sexual stuff. I don't know. Hmm. Well, that's definitely, again, going hearkening back to my thoughts on Disney just trying to be beast be pc because disney doesn't want to offend anyone because if disney starts offending people then they don't get your money oh but and that's all it is so them chasing him away is probably trying to say you know here we agree with you we side with you we don't want this guy here either we want to make sure and get your money so it's like last jedi like you didn't go watch that movie or purchase it right like because disney offended you right it was absolute garbage. I did not see that movie at all. I swear I didn't see it three times in the theater. It was just terrible. I did not buy it on Blu-ray the day it came out. Nope. Yeah, and you didn't download it with the code. Of course not. I did not reclaim the digital code that came with the Blu-ray whatsoever. Yes. 
All right. Well, that's good because you know you don't you are offended by by Disney's ways, so you don't. Hey, I was not offended by Disney's ways. I was offended by Ryan Johnson's ways and Kathleen Kennedy's ways. They have both lost their way in the world that is Star Wars, and they need to cut the shit. Oh, okay. Whoa. All right. Well, I guess I I must have touched on a nerve there. So mad. It's a lot. It's a lot more than a nerve, Michael. Yeah, I'm just going to totally sidebar that. And well, okay. Well, I, I I'm going to bring this okay. up. Okay. My favorite part of the whole damn movie, and granted, it's you know it wasn't. It was very predictable, and they show it a little bit in the uh, trailer, but. That whole fight scene between Jack-Jack and the raccoon was just awesome. Oh, yeah, that was actually really fun. And it that, kept going on was, for a while. That was my favorite part of that whole movie, because he just keeps coming up with more and more powers. And it's like, now, are they trying to be funny, or are they trying to be smart? Are they trying to make fun of superheroes? Because here's the baby... And he literally can do anything he puts his mind to. Laser eyes, done. Walk through walls, done. You know, transport to another uh, uh, dimension, done. I just, I loved it. I thought that that was great. Yeah. Jack, 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 Jack for life, baby. I love Jack, Jack. Yeah. So, Matt, with with that, are you, are you going to ask me about the Marvel Cinematic Universe tie-in? Well, you could ask yourself since you already did, but okay, uh, mysterious shoeless Mike. See, I got all three there. How does The Incredibles two relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I'm glad that you asked this, Matt. Crazy is uh, Lucius Best or F- Frozone is uh, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who happens to be in a couple of these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies as Nick Fury. Wait, hold on. Sam Jackson's in this movie? No way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. Of course. That's one thing that uh, Sam Jackson actually, I believe, talked about. When before Incredibles two came out, is how all the kids that are going to go see this movie are going to recognize him from uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of from the first Incredibles and be like, why, why is you know Nick Fury in this movie? That doesn't make sense because back when the first one came out, there was no Marvel Cinematic Universe. Granted, Samuel Jackson has had a wonderfully storied career. Yes. Even to that point, but not so much in the world of kids. More action movies and more adult-themed films like Pulp Fiction and, you know, stuff like that. But Marvel and their cinematic universe clearly brought him more into the limelight of the younger generation. Yeah, that's true. But he's been in so many movies. Like, Sam L. Jackson is, has had an amazing career. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he he's one of my favorite actors of all time, for sure. Uh, and my favorite uh, credit card representative, 
Capital One, baby. <laughs> what? You don't like Jennifer Garner? Nah. Why not? No. I mean, she's Electra. Yeah. She did an incredibly horrible job as Electra. Yeah. In Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're not talking about that one. I don't. I don't blame you. That movie was garbage. All right, so Mike, let's get back on Incredibles two. Do you think you should take the entire family to go see this movie? Well, I think if you're looking for a good, fun family movie, absolutely. This is a just a great fun movie. You know, it's another kind of like popcorn summer movie. Like I feel like it is just a. You know, there's nothing too special about this movie, but it's just fun, you know. Yeah, it's another summer blockbuster that is fun to go to, and it's a story about superheroes in a completely different universe. Uh, There's a lot of political tones behind it. Uh, I highly suggest you watch the first one before you go and see this one. I kind of wish that I would have rewatched the original before I went and saw the second one, because this film literally picks up right after the original. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would have been good. I know they had a lot of, um, like, double features where they showed the first one and then they showed the new one, um, around here mm-hmm. at least. I I really like the some of the thinking points, the more political points of it, you know, superheroes being a major part of society, then they make them illegal, then they're not illegal anymore. And it, it, it echoes a lot of what the Marvel cinematic universe and civil war specifically was trying to say. And I just, I like that idea. I like that concept. It's always kind of fun because it takes the superhero and it puts them in the real world instead of their larger than life and the destruction of the town, city, homes, people around them do have ramifications. And that's one of the good things that I think was brought up in this film and the original. Yep. I agree. But anyways, um, not... I think they showed this in front of all of them, but one thing I did like was the fan service before the film, how they showed the actors saying, we're sorry it took so long to do this movie. And then they were talking about how long it really does take to do the animation and things like oh, that. Yeah. And they were apologizing. I think that was nice. I know it's a uh, total, you know, BS, but I think it was nice for them to take that into consideration to be like, listen, fans, we understand you wanted this movie. We're sorry. Yeah. That's how I read it. It was an apology. Yeah. Yeah. That, they, they played that on mine as well. And then there's also the standard short that Pixar yes, always that- does. But like, I, that's the only, no, no movies ever do that anymore. So that's kind of a cool throwback to kind of the yesteryear. That was the one that I was going to bring up is that the short before the film was disturbing and weird to me. I I I didn't uh, it was weird, dude. It was really odd. Yeah, it was it was definitely weird. Um I I understand what they were trying to say and what they were trying to go for in it and especially it being in front of a family film, especially airing on Father's Day weekend, it made sense, but I thought it was a little weird to have it in front of incredible i don't know it was just a strange strange short it was beautiful though it was really well done yeah no it, it was it was well done but man it was weird um yeah dude it was really freaking odd it really was um 
So with that, Matt, how many reels do you give Incredibles 2? Now, this movie is not intended for someone like me. It is not something I would adamantly go out and see if, say, I was back home visiting my family and my nephews had this on Blu-ray and they wanted to watch it, I might sit down and watch it with them. So this movie really wasn't aimed towards me. So walking into it, I wasn't super excited to see it. I, I was interested, but not excited. It's not something I would pay to go see on a typical day. So you have to take that into factor. But I give it three and a half reels out of five. Nice. Nice. Yeah, for 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 me, this movie was just um, you know it's just okay, um, and I give it a three reels out of five. Um, it, you know, it's it's fun to 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 watch, but there's it didn't have a ton of substance um, in it, so I I feel like it was just kind of um, marketing to bring back the Incredibles uh, for Disney to get the machine going. So it'll be in the theme parks and everywhere again. They can sell lots of stuff. I I just thought it was average. You know, the story was okay. It wasn't bad. Uh, But the most important fun parts were, you know, small little scenes. You know, so I don't know. If you uh, have kids, definitely go see it. If you have a girlfriend that's obsessed with Disney, definitely go see it. If you're a single man that drinks too much and loves Star Wars, then uh, maybe wait for Blu-ray. Yeah. That's my opinion. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, on that, Mike, is there anything else you would like to add about Incredibles 2 or the Screen Slaver or rock concerts or Jack-Jack? No, I think I think we covered it all. Rock concerts and all. All right. Well, on that one, thanks, everyone, and we will talk at you next time. Hashtag Jack Jack for life. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.